there were a, a group of uh, second graders that were asked a, a series of questions about their moms, and uh, I've got their answers recorded here. I'd like to, to share a few of them with you. And the, uh, the first important question that these second graders were asked was this. Uh, why did God make mothers? Um, and the first response was, she's the only one that knows where the scotch tape is. Why did God make mothers? Mostly to clean the house. Some of you aren't chuckling at that. Why did God make mothers? To help us out of there when we get born. Guess that's an important one. So the next question, how did God make mothers? He used dirt, just like the rest of us. How did God make mothers? Magic, plus superpowers, and a lot of string. Not sure where the string comes in. How did God make mothers? God made my mom just the same like he made me. He just used bigger parts. So what ingredients are mothers made of? God makes mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. <laughs> what ingredients are used? They had to get their start from men's bones. Then they mostly use string, I think. Why did God give you your mother and not some other mother? Because we're related. God knew she likes me a lot more than other people's moms like me. <laughs> what kind of little girl was your mother? My mom has always been my mom and none of that other stuff. What kind of little girl was mom? I don't know because I wasn't there, but I'm guessing she was pretty bossy. What kind of little girl was your mom? Somebody said that she was nice. So why did your mom marry your dad? My dad makes the best spaghetti in the world and my mom eats a lot. Why did your mom marry your dad? My grandma says that my mom didn't have her thinking cap on. What does your mom do in her spare time? Mothers don't do spare time. To hear her tell it, she pays bills all day long. What would make your mom perfect? On the inside, she's already perfect. Outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. <laughs> what would it take to make your mom perfect? Diet. You know her hair. I diet, maybe blue. If you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? She has this weird thing about keeping my room clean. I'd get rid of that. I'd make my mom smarter. Then she would know it was my sister who did it and not me. If you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? I'd like for her to get rid of those invisible eyes in the back of her head. Wouldn't we all? I'm sure most of us can relate with at least some of what these kids have uh, portrayed in their discussion of mom. At least it allows us the opportunity to think about what mom has meant to us. When we think of mom, for many of us, the word that comes to mind is the word sacrifice. 
Since my mom has passed away, uh, this time of year is a time of reflection as I look back. And I can see the sacrifices that mom made uh, to assure that my life would be better. We didn't have a lot growing up, and, and some of those sacrifices were quite significant. Not everyone could have new clothes or new shoes at the same time, and, and mom often went without. We didn't even often have enough meat at the table for everyone to have some, and, and mom would become a vegetarian at that moment. But the most significant sacrifice that my mother ever made for me was when she released me to follow God's plan for my life. Even though it meant for her that most of my adult life, we saw her very seldom. She never had grandkids close by, but she made that sacrifice willingly. She endured that situation out of sacrificial love. We don't know what true sacrifice is until we're faced with the choice as to whether we will follow through or not. It's easy to say that we're, we're willing to sacrifice for the good of another, but when we're put in the position to do it, it, it may be a different story. This is not only true of the mother-child relationship, but with any relationship that we may be a part of. So I, I pray this morning that this truth that we share will we'll have an application for all of us. Throughout Scripture, we're constantly uh, taught to honor others above ourselves. To truly do that means that often we need to sacrifice. This is vividly portrayed for us in, in a story that we're going to examine this morning. I want to set the stage for you just a bit. Be familiar for many of you, but I, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. In the Old Testament, a time of Joseph, there was a, a great famine that covered most of the known world. And it was devastating to the homeland of Jacob. And you remember Jacob, one of the patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob uh, was the man that God renamed Israel. And so Jacob was the, the father of the nation Israel. He was the father of the children of Israel. And Joseph one of, was one of those children. And through the supernatural foreknowledge of God, Joseph, one of Israel's sons, found himself in a position of leadership in the land of Egypt. Again, with God's help, Joseph had assured that Egypt had plenty of food to eat. And so Israel and the children of Israel were invited to live as guests by the Pharaoh. Joseph moved his family uh, into Egypt, and uh, Pharaoh even gave them their own land, their own area where they could inhabit. Now we jump ahead 400 years. And over those 400 years, this, this group of people that started out just as one family, this group of people has now expanded and enlarged, and, and the Pharaoh that was now in charge didn't remember, didn't know about the invitation 400 years before, or just didn't care. And he was getting a bit, uh, a bit nervous. He was getting a little uh, concerned about this foreign group of people that lived within the confines of his nation. And he determined that he was going to, to limit their growth. And eventually, I believe, his goal was to just shut them down so that they did not exist at all, even though he used them as, as slaves. So we understand from Scripture, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, we have these words. Then Pharaoh 
gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. What a tragic, tragic command. The Pharaoh, the, the most powerful man in Egypt, set out a decree that every male child born to the Israelites was to be thrown into the Nile, was to be killed, was to be uh, eliminated. If you just extrapolate out just a, a few uh, generations, without men, uh, the women would, would then uh, die off and the nation of Israel would disappear. The people that God had chosen as the people who would be the, the conduit, if you will, or the, the channel through which uh, the Messiah would sometime come would be annihilated. At this tragic news, a young Israelite mother had to make a decision, and she had to act on that decision. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, beginning... <clears throat> at verse 1, says this, Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she thought that he was fi a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket along, among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. This young mother has some choices to make, and these choices would not simply affect her family. But ultimately, these choices were going to change the course of history. These choices were going to save the people of God from sure annihilation. These choices meant sacrificing what was important to her to allow God to act. This account highlights for us this morning this truth. God can use us to assist others in their service to him when we're willing to sacrifice on their behalf. Will you pray with me? Father God, what a, an amazing, amazing story. Uh, Lord, we know it's true. We know it's uh, uh, recorded for our benefit. But Lord, uh, just the pain and the anguish of this young mom having to, to make choices that uh, had no good outcome in her mind. Father, help us today to understand what it means to be willing to sacrifice, to be willing to give to you those things that we can't hang on to anyway. 
Father, I ask this in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. This morning, we're going to discover that Moses' mom sacrificed his, her control over his circumstances. She sacrificed her control over his circumstances. Look again with me at verse 1. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. This young mother, we later learn that, that her name is Jacobed, was faced with a difficult situation. The ruler of the land, the most powerful man, the, the one who had authority over her, had commanded that her child be put to death. But the mother's heart that, that she possessed just couldn't make this a reality. In verse 2, we read that her decision to save the baby was made when she saw that he was a fine child. Now, what does that mean? The phrase does not simply mean that, that Moses, uh, had he been an ugly baby, her decision would have been different. No mother thinks that her baby is, is anything but perfect. Some of those moms are wrong, but no, <laughs> just kidding. But this phrase, when she saw that he was a fine child, had nothing to do with his physical appearance had nothing to do with, with his behavior as a, as a small baby. It had nothing to do with anything that was temporal. What this means, when she saw that he was a fine child, there was some way, something in that situation that God revealed to her that Moses had a particular purpose. That this baby that, that she was holding, this baby that she was commanded to, to just simply throw in the Nile, this baby was destined for something to honor God. She saw that he was a fine child. God gave Jacobed the ability to see something that others couldn't see. That God had, had ordained a, a purpose in the life, and she had a responsibility to see God's purpose fulfilled. Her first option was simply to hide her baby. The first thing that she did was to just simply hide the baby so that he wouldn't be found, it wouldn't be destroyed. Imagine that for a minute. Imagine the constant fear. Imagine the uncertainty that, that this poor mom had to experience every time an Egyptian walked by her home. She would hold her breath to, to see if this were the one that was going to discover her secret. In the night, she would, she would hold him close and, and probably rock him to keep him quiet so that his cry didn't alert the authorities that he was there. Even other Israelite women, neighbors who had had, had to sacrifice their own children, may have, have been angry with her for holding back and, and not obeying the command. But the time came when she could no longer keep it up. Something had to be done. So with a breaking heart, 
This mom acted in desperation and did the only thing she knew to do to save her child. She had to release him. To save her child, she had to release him. Her action here could be misunderstood. The placing of her child in a basket along the shore of the river in the reeds would, would be the same as what we've uh, traditionally thought of a, a mom leaving a child on, on a doorstep of a stranger and, and ringing the doorbell, hoping that they would take that baby in or, or get that baby to safety. And of course now, uh, there are boxes in police stations and hospitals and, and fire stations where mothers can, can leave their babies that they need to walk away from with, with no questions asked. But in her anguish over this difficult decision, we still see a mother's heart. We still see the, the love that she had for this child. She placed her daughter Miriam, the older sister of Moses, to watch to see what happened. She couldn't just let him go. She left Miriam to, to watch over him. Jacob had acted out of a mother's love for her child and a sense that there was something special in store for him. It needs to be mentioned that in this passage, we're told that this family was from the tribe of Levi. And if you uh, follow the, the history of Israel, you, you know that the Levites became the priestly tribe. They were the, the ones that had the access to God, that were the go-between between God and man. And, and this family of Moses, they, they were... Levites. God would use them in a very real sense. God used them and, and used this young mother and her sacrifice as an act of worship. Giving this young man, this, this child, over to God's care was an act of worship. At this stage of her life, Jacobed had no way of knowing what was in store for Moses. She had no way of knowing what his ultimate purpose would be. She just knew this, that for him to have a chance at all, she had to let him go. She had to release him. But she didn't do this without purpose. She released him, listen, she released him into the hands of God. She released him into the hands of God. And while his journey was never easy, Moses did accomplish God's will in his life. Moses did become the one that led the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt and took them to that land that God promised to them. We may not ever be asked to, to send our children down the river in a basket, but we are asked as parents and as grandparents to, to release them into God's hands. For parents of young children, this means assuring that they are challenged to seek to place Jesus first in their lives. Parents, that's our role. That's our responsibility. With everything else that, that's on our plate and everything else that we, we try to keep busy with and the activities, our number one role, our number one responsibility before God as parents is to make sure that our children understand the importance of, of God being number one in their lives. Parents, that means that we need to make number one, uh, God number one in our lives. We need to, to be in a position where our children can look at our lives and say, okay, that 
that challenge makes sense to me. I see the results of that. For parents of older children, God may challenge us to allow him to determine their future. Oh, we've got dreams for our kids. We've got desires for, for what they will be and what they'll become as they grow. But can we trust God to make that decision? Can we, we, we back off and just give them to God to, to, to lead them to that place where they're going to make possibly an eternal difference with their lives? This can be accomplished by us by not pursuing or pressuring our kids to follow the career path that brings the most financial gain or brings the most security in life, but allowing them to explore what it looks like to serve God unconditionally. For all of us, it means a, a renewed commitment to keep a focus on God's kingdom and his righteousness and allowing him to add everything else that he sees as important. It's maybe an act of sacrifice, but it's also an act of worship. We again see this uh, as we learn that Moses' mom sacrificed her grasp on his present. She sacrificed her grasp on his present. Look at verse 5 with me. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it she opened it and saw the baby he was crying and she felt sorry for him this is one of the hebrew babies she said then his sister asked pharaoh's daughter shall i go and get one of the hebrew women to nurse the baby for you yes go she answered and the girl went and got the baby's mother pharaoh's daughter said to her take this baby and nurse him for me and i will pay you so the woman took the baby and nursed him. What joy must have filled uh, Jacobed's heart when, when Miriam came home with this news. Mom, the baby's been rescued, but not only that, he's been rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, and, and she wants you to nurse the baby. She wants you to, to have an influence to raise this baby in his early life. God has responded to her sacrifice. But then the rest of the, the message came. But, but eventually, Pharaoh's daughter is going to be his mother. Pharaoh's daughter is going to be his mother. The time of weaning, the time that, that uh, Jacobed would, would have with this child, and that day would have been three to four years. That, that's the age at which a child was weaned. The baby was now just three months old. Jacobed knew that her time was limited, time to enjoy his presence with her, but also time to influence his life. So if we jump ahead in the story of this child, we see that, that mom must have used that time wisely. She had Moses only about three or four years with the Israelite, uh, with, with Jacobed, just three to four years. But the next 36 years, he was in the palace of the Pharaoh, raised by the Pharaoh's daughter. But when the time came, when the time came as he was an adult, uh, at the age of 40, to make a choice, he chose to follow the God of his mother, Jacobed. 
He chose to follow the God of Israel. Jacobed was in a hard place with this child that she loved. She raised him knowing that she couldn't keep him. This call is the same that, that God uh, asks of each of us. I'll never forget. I'll never forget the, the words of my mom. When Cindy and I uh, went to mom and dad's house, we've been married about a year and a half or a little less, and, and we went to mom and dad's house, and, and I said, I believe God's calling me into a, a full-time ministry, and we're going to move away. We're going to move away. And that, don't know what that means, but, but probably that'll be kind of a permanent thing. And when I, I outlined what our plan was, I'll never forget this. My mom looked me in the eye, and she said this. When you were a baby, we took you before the church, and we stood before God, and we dedicated you to him. We did that knowing that we would someday need to let you go. The promise we made that morning is still true. If we trust God as much as we say we do, then we need to be willing to raise our families knowing that they are his to do as he desires. This brings us to the hardest decision of all. Moses' mom sacrificed her claim to his future. She sacrificed her claim to his future. Look at verse 10 with me. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She, Pharaoh's daughter, named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. When Jacob had released her child, she released her hold on every part of him. Even his name changed. We know that, that over those uh, first three to four years when he was in the care of, of Jacobed, in the care of his mother, she had to have had a name for him. She had to ha have chosen one that fit her family. But we see that when he, he moved into the palace of, of the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter changed his name to Moses. Even the identification of this child was taken away from his mother. We're not given any details of Moses' life from the time he left his mother until he's an adult and, and faced with some huge challenges. But as we said before, he faced those challenges in obedience to God and to his faith of his mother. Moses didn't always do it perfectly. We know that. We've got the record, and, and, and he messed up, even to the point of, uh, of having to leave uh, Egypt because of a decision that he made. But when that time came, when he was away from the, uh, Egypt and away from uh, the influence of, of even his family, God got a hold of his life. God got his attention, and, and Moses chose to follow God completely. Jacobed did what she could in that short time that she had him, and then she simply asked God to deal with the rest. She simply asked God to deal with the rest. The hope that we gain from this account is obvious. We don't know what his mom did in those few short years of, of influence, but we know that when God called Moses back to himself, there came a point where he finally listened. 
the sacrifice of, of this young mother freed and empowered Moses to accomplish great things on God's behalf. His mom had built a foundation in his life that God could build upon. What a message of hope. Some of us have, have children that are now adults. And some of those children have, have walked away from faith and have, have strayed in their lives. But that foundation that was built, those times when we, we taught them who God is, and those times we, we showed them what it meant to be a dedicated Christ follower, those are not gone. And God can use those not only to bring them to a, a place of repentance, but he can use those to empower them to be people that he can use for his kingdom. See, God is trustworthy to care for the lives of those for whom we care greatly. That does not remove the responsibility that, that we're called to, but it simply puts into perspective the outcome that we need to expect. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this amazing, amazing account that you have provided for us to help us understand uh, what sacrifice looks like. Father, to help us understand what it means to allow our children to be led by you. Lord, there's so many pressures in this world so many uh, calls for our children to perform and to, to rise to uh, so many different levels. And Lord, we want the best for our kids. But God, I just pray today that as families, as parents, as grandparents, that you give us the courage to allow you to be their leader, to allow you to be the one that takes them to those places, those amazing places of service. Father, that may be in the business world, that, that may be in, in a job. Uh, Lord, but whatever you choose to do, I just pray, Father God, that uh, we would do our part to teach them, to prepare them so that they can hear your voice. Pray that in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen.